When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, along with my coworker, Jordan Bianchi. We are writers for The Athletic. And while I'm at home here watching all this stuff on TV, Jordan is living the high life <laughs> at Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas, where he's just attended, covered his first F1 race. Jordan, how are things there? It uh, it was fun. It was great to be here. It was it was an experience, uh, my first ever experience, as you said, at an F1 race. It was quite the, it's kind of a cliche term, but quite the culture shock a little bit. Very different than what I've covered before, and uh, I enjoyed it immensely. It was a it was a great weekend. It was fun to be here, and it felt like this felt like an event. We talk about a lot of racing, how racing should be events on this podcast before. This felt special. This felt huge. And it's hard to replicate. You know, there's been a lot of talk this weekend about what some series do, what series don't. But what the formula, whatever they did here this weekend, it worked because this felt giant. Well, I mean, certainly from afar, looking on TV and stuff, I mean, it looked, I mean, the crowd was just unbelievable. Even on the Saturday crowd, I mean, they've gotten big Saturday crowds before, but like the year I was there, um, I think 2018, they had a big Saturday crowd because it was part of the ticket, but most of those people sort of came later just for the concert. You saw people streaming into the track after qualifying was over and stuff. They didn't really, they they were, they just want to see Justin Timberlake <laughs> the year I was there, but you could tell like Saturday at, at Coda, like it was lit. They weren't just like there to see Billy Joel. I mean, it was massive attendance. And then Sunday, the, the crowd today was just, I mean, just every angle they showed on TV, there's people crammed everywhere. Un, just unbelievable. What a scene. It, it was a scene. And you, and you talk about Saturday and it was about 120,000 people is the number that I was told. And I think that's been reported elsewhere. And, and it just felt seismic. And, and you talk about qualifying and we had that great qualifying session where, where Perez and, and Hamilton and Verstappen just all laid down these monster laps. Boom, boom, boom. And the, the crowd response when that happened you could hear it inside the media center. I mean, you could hear it on TV, you know, and it was just, it was incredible. And it was, it was great to see. It's, it's fun to be in an event where the, the support is just, you know, bubbling everywhere. I mean, you know, when, when you take into consideration of everything that's happening there um, and, and you listen to the drivers even and, and the commentators on Sky Sports um, and just everybody. So it, it, it didn't feel just like, Oh, this is this is what we get every weekend. This is our normal F one no. race, you know. Like they they felt like this was special as well. They did, and and that's a really good point because I was kind of wondering that too. And you know, we, I've never been to a different. I've never been to a Formula One race before, so it, and I didn't know. And I kind of had this idea in my head like this was kind of the norm for Formula One. So I I asked some people behind the scenes that have traveled with the series or you know with the teams and that kind of thing, and they're all like, no, this is not the norm. This is 
kind of the exception. There, there are some races on the schedule that are huge like this, and it feels like a big deal. But quite a few people told me the same thing. Like you show up at some of these other Formula One races, it's like they almost forgot they were having a race, and they just like like oh, we got to have a race today, and they kind of like it's helter skelter, throw it together kind of thing. It's not this giant, uh, you know, people streaming in in mass kind of kind of wanting to be here in this energy that that was uh, you know permeating throughout you know coda this weekend um so no this is this is the exception and not the norm in forming the one well ultimately you may have been at what is perhaps the largest sporting event in america since the pandemic i mean all all told i mean this crowd is you know certainly bigger than any any nascar crowd this year i think they said 140,000 today 400,000 for the weekend and i think based on the limitations for the Indy 500 this year uh, it may have been bigger than Indy 500 as well so um and and that's what they had been saying Indy 500 was the biggest sporting event so far in america uh since the pandemic i don't i don't know about the world overall but um certainly it, it that it seemed like that now i guess the question is um you know where does f1 go from here certainly this, this was a a big stamp of okay like you know, this is, this is a giant way forward. Like this proves that the, the Netflix show has been working as you've talked about, uh, you, you wrote about, uh, on the athletic this week. Um, now they're talking about, you know, there's going to be two races next year. There are people talking about three races in, in the United States in a couple of years. And the drivers seem to embrace it, embrace it. Um, can there be too much or is it just F1's growth right now is, is on that trajectory? Yeah, that, that's a, I guess. yeah, I mean, that, that's a good question. And that's the question everyone's asking is what is the limit? You know, a couple limits. One, what is the limit with the Formula One schedule? It's at 22 races right now. It's going to go to 23 next year, I believe, with Miami coming on. And, you know, what's the threshold for that? And then second, and then the other point is what is the number of races here in the United States? I mean, this is a giant country. There isn't a West Coast Formula One race. So if that race in Las Vegas happens, which most people think it's going to be added to the 2023 schedule, that would kind of you know fill that need. So that, that seems like a good number. It seems like that's kind of the number that when I was talking to some people for a story that you know I reported on you know last week, is that three is kind of the, the ceiling and you can't go above that. We'll see, you know, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Miami. And I know there's a lot of excitement about Miami and, and listen, I think it's a great market for formula one, but there's a couple things that have to be acknowledged. One it's Miami area. It's not like South beach. It's not downtown Miami. It's not on the waterfront. Like they'd wanted. It's kind of in the suburbs. So there's some questions about the staying power of that race and whether yes, they have a 10 year contract, but you know how these contracts are, Jeff you know, whether that race is going to be what that race is going to be like in year three, year four, and whether it can have the staying power to be you know relevant. I think Vegas, if, and when that does happen, I think that's going to be huge. I think that's a great market. I think it's a great event. I think that could be everything that formula one wants it to be. Obviously a lot depends too on what that circuit looks like and everything, but I, I think the, the future for formula one is really, really bright. I don't want to see, and it, it's, it's important not to see an overexpansion and just a flood of races and kind of lose that uniqueness, but a handful, two, three races a year in this market, um, along with one in Mexico city, along with in Montreal, that feels right. Well, I mean, here's the thing, you know, it's, I think that if you get into too many street circuits and not like, I mean, what makes Coda special in a way is it's, it's a great track for formula one racing. It's purpose built. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not just something that's assembled hastily and, you know, thrown together and you know, it's, 
city streets or whatever. And you know, they have to do this and this to it. I mean, the, the drivers love this track and it puts on a great race. I mean, today this was a really, really good race. I mean, if you, I, I bet there was a decent amount of people, Americans today who, who watched, uh, their first F1 race maybe, right. Or gave it a shot. And, um, I, I, I mean, to what, I, for me, that was a great formula one race. I mean, but for what, you know, it's, it wasn't the crazy kind of epic, like, wow, I can't believe that just happened, but it was a straightforward race where, you know, it was a great start. Lewis gets the start, you know, he, he's got the lead and then Red Bull says, okay, how are we going to do this strategy wise? And then you had a great strategy play out. Um, and, and both, you know, Max and Lewis, you know, they, they were driving fantastic. I mean, it, it to me, that's, that's what I want out of a formula one race, you know? I got everything I wanted. I thought it was really exciting. You saw Hamilton at the end there comes out. He's got about an eight and a half second deficit to Verstappen. Knocks that down to just about a second. It looks like he's going to catch him and doesn't. But like you said, it's, it's everybody pushing hard. You, you, you can tell. You can see it. You, you can see what the drivers are doing. The strategy element I thought was really exciting. And I thought you had good racing as, as Verstappen is trying to work his way through traffic. As Hamilton is trying to cut down that lead. This is this was a very good Formula One race, and I know there's going to be some people who say, "Well, there wasn't a lot of passing, and then you know, the the lead changes were all you know happened because of pit stops." Okay, but again, this isn't this is Formula One. This is a different type of racing. I think if you if you look at it for what this is, I thought this was a really really good race, and I think even a casual fan just tuning in today can appreciate that that was two teams basically throwing haymakers at each other, and they went toe to toe, and you you saw that. And I mean, it's been like that all year. And I mean, it was like that in qualifying. It was like that, you know, in the practice sessions uh, this weekend. I mean, and, and really, um, at the start of the race was sort of breathtaking there where, you know, Max has the pole and (laughs) Lewis gets a slightly better jump. And Max is basically like, I'm going to drive you all the way off the track. It seemed like, and then Lewis equally was just like, I'm going in there and I'm not lifting. And Max had to go real wide and, um, you know, as the commentators pointed out, it, it would, if it had been anybody else, but his teammate, Sergio Perez, he would have lost second place right sure. there. Um, but Perez kind of cut him a break and, and let them battle it out. But yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, for, for F1, um, I mean, this is quite the title battle. I mean, every week we talk about it. Oh, has it gone this way? Has it gone this way? But this was a, you know, a really, really big statement from Red Bull to come into what has been a Mercedes track and really sort of throw a punch there that you thought you would have thought, Hey, Lewis, this is going to be a Lewis win and maybe he'll retake the points lead. And, but then you get to some more sort of red bullish type tracks, um, in the final five races. But now, I mean, he extends his lead. I think he's up by 10 points and maybe this was really the true turning point where it's like, okay, maybe now red bull is going to be able to to get away with it. What do you think? I think that's, the case, and I'm going to write about that for the athletic, is that this kind of felt like a changing of the guard in some respects. I mean, you've got Lewis Hamilton, who's the four-time defending world champion. You've got Mercedes, who's had a stranglehold on the manufacturers and drivers' championships for the last seven years. And today, Red Bull had every answer to Mercedes, everything that Mercedes threw at them. And Max kept his cool on the racetrack. Lap one could have been a disaster. It wasn't. He didn't. Didn't Max didn't uh, didn't panic. He composed himself, got off track a little bit, but fell in line, worked his way. Red Bull got a plan on on how to operate strategy. It's just everything that Mercedes had, Red Bull had an answer to. And going back to the beginning of the weekend, in first practice, you know, Verstappen was, what, eighth, I think, on the board. 
And it looked like, well, wait, this is, you know, this is not good. This is not a good start to the weekend on a track where they were not expected to have speed. And they just kept working at it. Christian Horner, after the race, said this was a total team victory from what Max in the car did, from what the team did, to figuring out where to get more speed. This was everything they wanted while Mercedes, they, they, they came out, they left everything on the table. But between Hamilton not being able to, to run down Verstappen late, and then Botas having an engine issue and having to make a change. And it's just, uh, it feels like this is swinging in Red Bull's favor right now. So Jordan, this weekend swung in your favor personally, because, um, you know, as we documented last time, uh, it was all in doubt. You didn't even know if you're going to have a hotel <laughs> and, uh, you were able to find a place an hour away from the track and you got to cover your first F1 race. I mean, what, what year did you start? Cover, following F1. I mean, you've been a lifelong. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I was a kid. I used to follow F1 even before they, I mean, growing up, I mean, they, before they even have a race in this country, I was, you know, before after I had left for a while. So, so yeah. So I want to, I want to mind that a little bit. I mean, I'm just curious. I, I bet a lot of our listeners haven't been sure. Um, I've, I've only been to one, um, I, you know, what was your impression? You know, you've, you've have this, you watch F1 all the time. You finally go to this race. What were some of the differences of, being at a NASCAR race that you're there all the time and going to uh, an F1 race. Everything was different in a lot of respects. <laughs> I mean, I'm still trying to figure out the difference between a paddock and a garage. If you could help me with that. Like I kept wanting to say garage, but I'm like, well, I think I have to say paddock. I, I, is there like a, we need like a dictionary guide or something like that. I, that screws me up every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it was just everything. I mean, just, uh, you know, how the media is accommodated, you know, different media sessions that we do, um, access to drivers, access to team people. I was able to, you know, every team principal, basically the people who run the team or own the teams was made available to the media. That wow. is something in NASCAR that let's be honest, we don't have on a regular basis, but they do this every single week where every team principal is taught, you know, brought out. And they're allowed, you know, everybody's allowed to ask questions, which is crazy to think about. But you think that's actually great for us because it gives us things to talk about. It allows us opportunity to, to flush out stories, you know, in NASCAR. I mean, how many times do we go without talking to an owner? Now, we have individual one-on-one -on -one interviews set up occasionally, but really, unless they're announcing something or they win a race, we don't really get that opportunity to talk to them. That to me jumped out. Um, just the atmosphere here it was it was part race part concert part festival just part wanting to be here part scene the number of celebrities here um that wanted to be here but weren't here because they were promoting a movie or a tv show or they were paid to be here they were here because they wanted to be here now i completely own the fact that i completely misidentified uh megan b stallion and i thought it was cardi b um which i'll completely own because i'm an idiot but it was just, that was, it's just seeing like that and, and having celebrities walk around here. Why? Because they want to be here and just kind of being fans. And you don't always see that at some other races we've covered. Yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot of good points there. And, um, it's just fascinating to me how F1 has become, um, just sort of like, I mean, you know, okay. Serena Williams is going to be there. Ben Stiller is going to be there. Shaq, Megan, the stallion, um, whoever, I mean, there's seemed like there's plenty of people walking around. Um, and you're just like, man, like you said, I mean, you know, they even asked Ben Stiller on the telecast, Oh, you know, is there any, you know, what's going on in your life? You know, I think they were sort of prompting him to, yeah. you know, give a chance to plug something, pr plug a project or movie. He's like, no, I'm, 
I'm just here with my son. We just were fans, you know? Um, Chris Bosch was saying, oh, you know, I've, I've been a fan since before Lewis Hamilton was even, you know, racing in F1. And, and it's become a place where everybody wants to go. And, you know, one of those celebrity things where it's like cool to go and cool to, to be seen there. Um, F1 has really marketed itself that way. Um, and, you know, obviously it helps that there's only one race per year in this country. Absolutely. You know, for sure. And this is the one chance that if somebody's going to go, whether it's a fan or a celebrity or whoever, but the fact that it's booming the way it is, I mean, that, that really says a lot. Um, and especially, you know, you hate to say it, but you know, for, for it to sort of completely overshadow NASCAR in a lot of ways, I mean, I think the contrast between what was going on at Kansas this weekend and Austin was, was glaring. And, and, you know, you would assume NASCAR is very sensitive to that. Like, man, what's going on? Like, what do we, what do we got to do here? Because I mean, they're showing the shots of, um, the grand at Kansas and they were, it was not good. You know, it was, I mean, I don't know how many people were there, 30, 40,000, something like that. And like they said, you know, they announced 140,000, um, in Austin. I mean, this is a playoff race for NASCAR. This is, you know, the semifinal round this is supposed to be, Hey, and, and it's just like Texas last week. I mean, apparently, you know, Jenna Fryer of the Associated Press tweeted that a topic of conversation in the pre-race driver bullpen for NASCAR was where were all the fans of Texas? What can be done about this? And they expressed that to Steve Phelps, like something's got to be done. This is not acceptable. Um, but I don't know what yeah. NASCAR does at this point, but it's, it's gotta be this, this wasn't a good look, I think for NASCAR this weekend, because they've been the king of this country and to have F1 come in and F1's come in with big crowds before, but to have this much interest and the, buzz. Yeah. The, the buzz and the, 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 for lack of a better term, sex appeal, you know, like that, that to me is a thing. And I, I, I think it's a huge thing. And I think the fact that NASCAR has opened the door that this could even happen where you could have F1 come in here. Like you said, you're always going to have people kind of going to these races because it's a one-off thing, but the buzz, the excitement, you can't, that is not something that you can just create by your out of thin air. It's something that kind of has to have to almost organically. I don't know how NASCAR, what NASCAR does. I don't know the answer to that question. Cause I thought a lot about that this weekend as I was at the racetrack and I was thinking about, okay, mostly covered, you know, 99% of what I do is NASCAR related. So it's, it's hard not to compare and contrast. And I don't know what you can do. I, I don't know what NASCAR could have done going into the Kansas race weekend to have that kind of excitement where people are just itching, like just bursting at the seams, like wanting to be there, wanting to you know, watch. And because it's Kansas and it's not, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's not the most exciting race. And I, I don't know if there's, I don't know. It's, there's probably a laundry list of reasons why this ha- there is a laundry list of reasons why this happened, but to fix this, uh, that's, that's a complicated question. I don't think there's one thing. Well, I mean, devil's advocate, you say, you know, it's, Oh, it's Kansas. It's, you know, it's not going to be that thrilling of a race, but you know, F one generally doesn't have like sure. the sort of quality of, you know, the number of passes or side by side racing. You could argue, you know what I mean? Like many of F one races are just, pretty much, pretty much straightforward and played out. And, and, but I mean, obviously people respond to that. I think, you know, I would have say that, okay, to build the buzz for Kansas, NASCAR made that decision years ago. They said, we're going to implement playoffs. And they said, we're going to implement elimination style playoffs and it's going to be exciting. And we're doing this because we want to create a buzz during NFL season. We want to generate interest and get more people than are coming 
right now, you know, we want to go toe to toe with the NFL at one point. That was the goal. Um, now it's just to sort of hang on and, and all that stuff. But I mean, even the rules package, you know, which was, this was the final, uh, of this car on, on a mile and a half track today. Um, you know, that, that rules package was created in part to, Hey, let's keep the cars closer together. It'll be exciting. But you know, you look at the stands this week, last week, and you're like, where, where is the response to that? Where is that? You know, how is that manifesting itself? Um, so, and you know, I, I think you go a lot of weeks and you just sort of, um, you know, say, well, it's just sort of the state of NASCAR. But I think when, it's sort of so in your face, like with F1 and NASCAR at the exact same time, the exact same day. And you're like, whoa, that is, that's a crowd. That's as, you know, a, a major, major event. And, and another auto racing series was able to pull that off. I mean, if you're not, if you're NASCAR and you're not, you know, doing some head scratching and soul searching and saying, whoa, like this is okay. This is, this needs to be sort of a, a wake up call. I, maybe, it, and maybe it's too late to sort of do anything, but yeah, I, you know, F1 is here and growing and on a trajectory and NASCAR has now got a challenge on its hands. Um, not that they go head to head, but I think, you know, I'll, I'll give you an anecdotal example real quick. Right. Uh, my parents have friends who started watching, you know, they, they heard that there's my parents' son is a motor sports writer and they said, Oh, we love motorsports," And, um, they said, Oh yeah, he, he covers a lot of NASCAR. And they say, oh, oh, NASCAR. No, we don't. We don't know about that. But we watch F1 because of Drive to Survive, like you've you know written about and stuff. And it's like, okay, that's a whole segment of people mm -hmm. in this country who are starting to go toward motorsports, and they're not even sort of considering NASCAR. They're, you know, I think a lot of NASCAR fans get into it, and then they sort of veer toward F1 or something like, oh, I'll check this out too, or something like that. But this is like. Now they're going toward F1 and they're just going around NASCAR. That's, and that's, that's what I think is alarming if you're NASCAR. I, I agree with all everything you said there. And I've had other examples too, where I've had conversations with people and they're not racing fans per se, but they are Formula One fans because of the drama or the characters and the people they see on TV. And while this is, we, we, we say this is a one-off and that this is CODA and, you know, Formula One comes here once a year, but go back to what we just talked about though, a little bit ago, next year, Formula, Formula One is here twice a year. And that Miami race is going head to head with Darlington in the spring. And that that's, you know, that raises an eyebrow. And if Vegas gets added to the schedule um, in 2023, when is that race going to be added, you know, to the schedule? Because I, I, I'll say this to you. If that race is in the spring, well, guess what? NASCAR is racing in Vegas in the spring. So there's a chance where those two series could be in the same town, very close together. Or if it's in the fall, it's the same thing. So well, that just happened with Dallas and Austin. Essentially, I mean, yeah. I know they're about what three hours apart, maybe. Yeah. But I mean, back to back weeks, and 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 there was a time when F one was on the exact same day as Texas Motor Speedway. There was a few years that was like that um, in Austin. But you know, still, you see the difference, and you know, you're just like, man, I, I, uh, yeah, maybe I, Hamlin, yeah, yeah, it's. It's definitely something to, to watch uh, a, a trend going forward. I don't know where it goes from here, but um, this was a big, I don't know. I mean, Lewis Hamilton, I think his quote was afterwards, something like, you know, this is definitely, you know, we sort of, we've, we've arrived type thing in this country. So um, yeah, it is. And it's, and it's not the, I think NASCAR has done a fantastic job of remaking its schedule. I've said this countless times. I wrote about it you know, with the road courses and getting rid of some of the races that are just redundant, Dover, Pocono, Kentucky, you know, just those kind of things. We, we've talked about it. 
But even then, you still look at some of these races on the schedule and you're like, eh, really? Is that, do I want to take my family there? Or do I want to have like a, a guy's weekend and, and go check that out? You know, no, but, but Formula One's racing in Austin or Formula One's racing in, in Miami or in Vegas. And that, that could be fun and exciting. Now I know, you know, NASCAR races in both South Florida and, and Vegas, but again, do you want to see a race on Las Vegas Motor Speedway or do you want to see something on the strip? I mean, we, yeah. we know the answer to that because look at the podcast, look at the poll number for the recent, most recent Las Vegas race. Yeah. Well, um, for, I guess I should make sure is, is there anything else you want to touch on about your F1 experience? Anything like that? Um, along those lines, uh, you know, I, yeah. I'm sure there'll be more that you're writing, uh, coming up. After yeah, this no, race, I, but... I, no, I, it was, it was a great experience. Happy to be here. Um, it was fun. It was great to see it. And hopefully good to be back next year. I think you are probably Miami bound though. <laughs> hey, well, I don't know about that. We'll see. I'll be in Darlington. See. You'll be in Miami. <laughs> uh, we'll see if, if the hotels burn down or whatever the situation is in the future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a tough situation, but no one wants to hear me gripe about my, uh, accommodation. So that's okay. Yeah. I mean, geez, you still got to go to formula. One, I'm not so. complaining, not yeah. complaining. Jewelry. Isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. So, uh, listen, NASCAR, um, it, from what I could tell, you at least got to watch the last uh, 80 laps, most of the yeah. final stage. I was able to watch, uh, obviously, the full thing. It had two screens going. Um, you know, ultimately, if you look at it, I mean, it wasn't quite how it turned out in the sense that, or I thought it would turn out in the sense that I kept saying over and over again on this podcast, uh, Kyle Larson is going to win one of the 550 races in round three, and Chase Elliott is going to win the other one. Larson did win one. And I thought for a minute there, I thought, Oh, <laughs> there's Chase's turn, but Larson is just too good. Win number nine on the season. Nice. And he gets the record one week after I talked about it, like as a possibility for like later before the season wraps up, he immediately goes out and smashes the, um, all time laps led record for a 36 race season. Um, another, another 130 laps led today at a mile and a half track, just throws that up there, you know, um, just, uh, man, what a season. I mean, three, three wins in a row now, uh, again, the, the, the second for the second time, it's just nuts. I mean, it's just, it's crazy what he is and, but it, it's, it's impressive. It's incredible. And this underscores the fact that we've thought for a long time that he was a generational talent. He just needed to be in the right situation for that talent to really kind of manifest. And, and it is. But again, and I said this before, it's like in the grand scheme of things, though, what does this mean? Because the championship is going to be decided on a 750 track. And despite this amazing year, well, Kyle Larson has won just about everything there is to win. 
He's won his first NASCAR major and winning the Coca-Cola 600, won the all-star race, won nine times, lap record, all of this stuff. And he still may not win the championship. Is that at the end of the year, what does that say? What does that mean? And I'm trying to trying to process that myself and just kind of say, I guess this is the new NASCAR. We, we had this conversation a year ago. We've talked about it before with Kevin Harvick and, and other times. And it's just like, uh, I, I don't know. Because in the grand scheme, it's like, it's great that he, he won again. And you would think any other year, like, wow, this is, they've got this figured out. But the fact of the matter is the next two weeks, completely different. Well, I mean, Kyle Larson's the driver of the year, whether he wins a championship or not. And that's what yes. is going to be hard to reconcile. Um, you know, he, he has double of the amount of wins than the next closest person at this point. Uh, no, sorry, more than double. More, more than, than double. double. Yeah. Trix has got four. Trix is four. So, um, you know, it's, it's really, there's no, really no question. You know, Denny Hamlin's given him a run for his money, um, sort of points wise overall for the season. But, you know, if you're going to say who's the best driver of the year, it's Kyle Larson. Now, again, he could go winless in the next two races and somebody else could get as Chase Elliott did last year, get hot in those and win, win out. And that's it. I mean, you could even have somebody blow the cut line, you know, the Ryan Blaney type guy or one of the Penske drivers or Truex who's currently below the cut line. And all of a sudden two weeks from now we're saying, wow, Truex won the championship. And we're saying, Oh, is that's kind of weird. I mean, he wasn't necessarily the best driver of the year, but he was the best driver on these certain kind of tracks. And that's that narrative. But no matter what happens now, yeah, you know, I think Larson is the driver of the year and it, it just becomes, okay, how much can you justify it with the playoffs or, or whatever happens? But you're right. I mean, it's five fifties are done now. That is the end of this five fifty <laughs> package. Now five fifty horsepower races will return next year on these type of tracks, but this package, this current aero package that has been so maligned uh, by so many fans is done. And now it's down to the seven fifties. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm even despite everything. I mean, I think, you know, you can't argue that it's, this makes it unpredictable because, you know, I I was just looking at the points, Jordan, even for this round, if Kyle, let's say Kyle Larson was not locked in. Okay. Like there was no lock in from his win. He would still be locked in going into Martinsville because he's, he, in fact, he's over 74 points ahead of second place. That's right insane. Now. I mean, not even the cutoff, but second place. He has a full over a full race on. Um, I mean, it, it, it's just he's doing everything you need to do. But again, like that, there's so much NASCAR's playoff format la- leaves stuff to yet to be determined, and that's what makes it exciting. I mean, I'm at, at the same time I say, well, geez, I mean, it, the playoff format's kind of weird. I'm like absolutely jacked up to go to Martinsville and see what happens. Yeah. I'm super excited to go to Phoenix and see how it plays out. You know what I mean? Like Martinsville next week. I mean, these guys who are below the cut line and, and now it now, because so many guys had problems today, there's a close battle. Let's recap it real quick. Larson obviously locked in Elliot's 34 up, but that's not safe at all. I mean, no, if Elliot gets it, yeah. spun in the first stage or something, he's out probably, uh, Hamlin's 32 up, uh, Kyle Bush. It looked like he, you know, he hit the wall twice today and he was going to be totally screwed. Ends up finishing. where did he finish? He ends up finishing 28th, six laps down, and he's going to Martinsville above the cut line. Yeah, because Ryan Blaney hit the, hit the wall there. And, yeah, Ryan yeah. Blaney, uh, he was plus 27 uh, when he hit the wall. Now he is minus one. Um, and, and hitting the wall wasn't his fault. I mean, he got no, no, wrecked no. by Dylan, obviously. Yeah. Um, 
Truex minus three, um, a seventh place finish. We thought Truex was pretty much screwed after um, Texas, and now he's back in it. Keselowski minus six, Logano minus 26. So you have three spots open on points. You have quite a battle for any, any of those guys could win and launch over anybody else, you know, whether it's a Kyle Busch or a Hamlin, if he falls down, um, you know, I, I, I have no idea what's going to happen at Martinsville. Um, and so I say that because I think it's, that's compelling. That is compelling. I can't argue with that, but it doesn't, no matter what happens, Larson is the driver of the year, whether that comes with a trophy or not. And it's something I've said before, but I almost feel like you almost need to recognize and like some kind of trophy you hand out at the end of the year. Like you, you award the champion, the trophy, but then you have like a separate trophy for the driver of the year. Like a year ago, that would have been Kevin Harvick, right? This year it would be Larson. Maybe he takes them both, but it's almost, you need to acknowledge the fact of this greatness that is happening. Cause I feel like it's getting overlooked a little bit. If Larson doesn't win the championship this year, you almost wonder if people are going to almost forget about it to some degree like last year, Kevin Harvick had an incredibly dominant year, historically dominant in some respects. And now it was just like, eh, because he didn't win the championship and he didn't make the final four. So I almost wonder if you just, there's a way to honor that greatness. Yeah. I mean, I think or various you know, media organizations have awards and things like that, but it's not, I mean, it's not the same, but I, you know, like NASCAR is not going to give out an award like that because they want no. all the, they want to give credibility to the champion in the format. And so they're not going to say, okay, yeah, this was our champion, but we're also doing this. You know what I mean? Like they don't, they don't want to have any sort of mixed no, messages it would, at it all. Would dilute. It would dilute the championship yeah. to some degree, even, you know, you could argue whether that's already been diluted or not. But you know, I, obviously like Larson is having an even more historic year than Harvick because of the laps led. Yeah. Um, and he has as many wins as Harvick now. I mean, Jimmy Johnson 07 was the last driver to get double digit wins. And if Larson is going to win the championship, at Phoenix, you're probably going to think he's going to have to get his 10th win there. Um, unless something weird happens and a non non playoff guy wins it. But I mean, geez, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite a, quite a year that he's had in year one at Hendrick. I mean, now I, I say you shudder to think of what they could do together in year two, but everything's going to change next year with the next gen car anyway. So you have no idea. They could have a complete fall off like Harvick does. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, Hendrick really can't figure out the new car. And you know, it's so, you got to appreciate this kind of season while it, while it happens, I guess, because just like with Harvick, just like with others we've seen in the past, you think, wow, this is, they've got really got it going. And it's just, it's, it's hard to sustain that kind of success in NASCAR, you know? It is. And I think it's, again, I think we should appreciate it for what it is, which is, which is greatness coming to the forefront and who knows what next year brings with the new car and everything. I think that's going to be, we know that's going to be a complete game changer. We'll see what the next two weeks are like. The nice thing for Kyle Larson is Martinsville's not his best track. I think he even says it's probably his worst track, and it doesn't matter what he does there because he's locked in. And then Phoenix, you know, you've got to think, and it's a different package and everything else, but it just doesn't feel like it really matters right now with this team. So how are you looking at Martinsville? I mean... As a street fight? <laughs> I really don't know what's... I mean... It, I mean, I, is it going to be a Gibbs show or is Penske going to come back with something there where I think it's, I think if you're, let me look at this here really quick. Um, if you're a Chase Elliott and a Denny Hamlin, I am going there. I am trying to stay out of everything. I am not pissing anyone off. I'm just keeping my, trying to keep my nose clean. 
I just would like to score some stage points and hopefully stage finish. points huge for them. That's it, it. Killed Blaney today. Killed Blaney today. Um, yeah, because he got zero stage points, and if he had gotten even one, he'd be above the cut line. Hundred percent. So, I mean, that yeah. just shows you how much they matter. And so if I'm Elliot or Hamlin, I'm going there. I am just trying to score stage points. And if I can leave there probably with a top 15 finish, I am probably feeling really, really good and feel like I'm going to move on. And that is my goal. If I am anyone else, I am probably thinking I almost need to win or I need to finish as near the front as I can um, to, to move on. And Martinsville is a track. If you look at it, it guys hit on things there. There's just like we have, you know, a few years ago, it was like Keselowski felt like he couldn't lose there. Remember? There's that stretch. Now Martin Truex Jr. is in that stretch where it feels like he can't lose there. Well, he's in a situation and he's going to have to go there. He doesn't need to win, but he he needs every single point he can get, and he's going to have to be a factor again. And Ryan Blaney's a guy who's really been on it lately there. He doesn't have a win. He's never won there before, but always leads a lot of laps, gets a lot of stage points. It's time for him to probably knock through that, and he's a guy who's going to have to have a clean day. But you look at a guy like Logano, he's won there too. I mean, so it, it, could he shake up the apple cart? That would be interesting. And if I'm looking at this day, if I'm Penske, I'm going, man, we got three guys below the cut line. It looked like Blaney was well on his way, and maybe we could sneak another one in there and Brad or Joey. And now it's like, okay, I think we're probably at best Penske's going to have won. It, this, was a, this was a tough day for them, but I, I'm excited for what Martinsville is and what it represents to me is – arguably one of my it's in my top two or three races of the year just because it's it's complete unknown and it's like a backyard brawl royal rumble-esque fight of just guys desperate to to get their championship ticket punched yeah i mean it's it's kind of funny because as, as you're alluding to i mean larson not you know that not being a great track for him of course he could win because he's larson yeah, but he finished fifth there in the spring by the way <laughs> you know the other seven drivers as I go down the list, Elliott, yeah. Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Blaney, Truex, Kozlowski, Logano. I mean, you could easily see any of those seven winning. And I don't think that's been the case in the past where you go to Martinsville thinking, well, every single driver outside, you know, the bubble, they could, all, oh yeah, I could see them winning. I could see them winning. But I mean, all these guys, you can make a great case for them or at least a solid case for them. Um, and so, yeah, that's so unpredictable. I have no idea what's going to happen. And they don't even have to win because there's three spots available on points. So you're going to have the potential winner to lock themselves in plus two people scrapping for the final spot. Um, you know, I do think that's a little bit interesting though, because, okay. So like, let's say Blaney hadn't had his problem, right? So he would have been plus 27. So you would have had sort of three drivers who were like all fairly sizable above the cut line. And they would have been looking at each other like, okay, I have to race this person really hard and stay ahead of this guy because if there's a new winner from outside, mm -hmm. they're going to knock one of us out. But now um, with two two of those being secure, sort of Elliot and Hamlin, that does change the calculus for them a little bit because they can just, like you said earlier, okay, let's just have a solid day. And if there's a new winner, okay, maybe they'll knock Kyle Busch out who's plus one or something or whatever it is. But as long as they stay clean and they have a decent gap, I don't think they have to worry about as much because they're not going to get outpointed by like 30 something back unless, you know, at least on a normal day. So, yeah. um, that's very interesting. I mean, the, the battle, it's going to come down to the last lap of like, we're going to be looking at the number of points and it's going to be like, Oh, like you know, yeah. Yep. Um, that's going to be really, really interesting. I, I honestly can't wait for that. It's going to be, uh, 
fascinating to watch. So I agree. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see. And going back to Hamlin or Elliot, if they're leading late, and depending upon who's behind them, there's a part of me that says, if I got a guy behind me who absolutely needs to win and is going to have to, you know, win this race at all costs, I'm almost partial. If I was one of those guys to say, I'm almost going to move out of the way because I don't really want them to have be inclined to put a bumper on me and, and spin me out and wreck me. And then all of a sudden my points day is shot. Like, you, you know, you almost have to be, def- if you're Elliot or Hamlin, I am super defensive, almost to a fault. That's a good point. I mean, even if somebody's trying to do a bump and run on yeah, you or something for the happen. win and then they accidentally spin you out and then all of a sudden you, you can't, you know, you're one turn away from the finish and you're wrecked and you lose all your points. I mean, I mean, it's a weird way to have to think about, okay, yeah, like let's give this up. But I mean, depending on who's behind you, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not fighting too hard. Let's put it that. I mean, there's this case where I'm like, you know what, if they get close to me and they kind of start to lay it to me a little bit, I just might, it just, you have, it's defensive driving. You really have to think about it because I mean, like if you see Joey Logano in your rear view mirror yeah. or something and you know, like, you know what? Hey, Joey, go, why don't you just go on right by here, buddy? Cool. I'm just going to finish second. And you would hate to see it decided that way, but I mean, that's, it's, it's, you're right. I mean, you have to think about the big picture in a way, but, yeah. oh man, because we saw what Hamlin, it goes back to 2017 when, you know, Denny Hamlin said, I just tried to to move chase. I didn't want to put wreck him, but he, he hit him wrong. And next thing you know, Chase's car is all wadded up and that's a lot of points. Yeah. Well, you still have people disagreeing with that. I, I did buy Denny's story at the time and I still get people mad at me for that. So, um, whatever. Um, so <laughs> Jordan, uh, it's time for the, was it a good race poll? And I am one win away from clinching the title. Uh, I might not even need another win, Cause I've got such an advantage in the tiebreaker right now, but, uh, unfortunately for you, you're down five, two in these playoffs here. I know you don't care, but no, I'm just going for the pole guesser of the year award. I don't really care about the championship. Oh, okay. Good move. Good move. Okay. Um, so what is your pole guess for Kansas? Mr. Pole guesser of the year. <laughs> uh, what was the Kansas result earlier this year? Okay, what was the Kansas result earlier this year? I see you're trying to do some research here. I, I will give you this information. I like I'll your t-shirt, by the way, Portland Timbers. Uh-huh, that's nice. right. Um, so Kansas Spring, which was won by Kyle Busch, was a 57.3. Uh, honestly, I don't really even remember what happened in that race. So Kyle Larson dominated. Then he and Blaney got jumbled on a restart late. Kyle Busch had a fast car, got a good restart, won the race. Oh, that's right. Okay. That's, that, that is familiar now, but see, you, you have such a good memory about these things. Um, the top Kansas race ever in the poll was 2019 Keselowski, Kansas won. That was, uh, 89.6. Hmm. And, uh, that was when this package was, uh, taking off and people gave it good reviews at the time. Anyway, um, more recent ones, uh, you know, I've got a 70.3 last year. Um, All right. Yeah. It's uh, not, not, not great races, you know, 50, 50, 40. So what I'll are you going to say here? I'm going to say 55. It's, it seemed like from what little I watched and just from the, the conversations I had with different people who did watch it, seemed like a very typical Kansas race, very familiar winner wasn't a race that really is going to be something we honestly remember too, too much down the road. Um, just give me 55%. So Texas last week was a 45.8. Um, and I just feel like this was 
surely this was better than that, right? I mean, I know it wasn't the most exciting race. A little but, bar, but yeah. I mean, surely it was it was better. So, yeah, I'm gonna say 55 is pretty decent, but I'll I'll just say 52. Is that okay. fair? That's um, sounds right. Yeah, I'll say 52. I think it's gonna be somewhere around 50, probably. And as as has been so many so many times the case with this package, it's um, you know, I have 50 percent of the people, and they go, I can't believe. Like in my replies after the day of the poll, they're like, I can't believe these people thought it was a good race. How can anybody think that? And then you have 50% of the other people going, I can't believe anybody would not think that's a good race. What are you looking for? You know, if otherwise or whatever. So of course the split NASCAR fan base as this package is created. Um, but anyway, that's, that's probably reality, but guess what? Jordan will be back together doing this in person for the next two weeks. So no more remote podcasts, post-race podcasts for the rest of the season. So hooray for that. Can't wait to see you, buddy. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Everybody, uh, we appreciate you listening. And of course, if you want to subscribe to The Athletic to check out all our work, including Jordan's F1 stories from the track this weekend um, with all the solid coverage that he did down there covering every angle, uh, you can go to theathletic.com slash the teardown and you will be prompted for the latest deal everybody thanks so much for listening we will talk to you next time on the teardown